Salams and welcome. You're listening to the Sacred Footsteps podcast with your hosts, me, Yasmin Lee and Zara Chowdhury. Sacred Footsteps is an online publication dedicated to travel, culture and history from a Muslim perspective. In this series, we'll be talking to writers, artists, historians and a whole host of other people about travel as a spiritual practice. Hello, hello, salams, peace and welcome. I hope you're all doing really well. You're tuned into episode two of the Sacred Footsteps podcast. In this episode, Zara will be chatting to writer-poet extraordinaire and one half of poetic pilgrimage, Sakina Pilgrim. We were super excited and lucky to speak to Sakina given her extensive travel itinerary and we were really intrigued to talk about her latest ventures, specifically the female experience of being in Medina and some of the challenges and joys this brought up. So without further ado, here we go. So Sakina, before we get into the conversation, I just wanted to talk a bit about how the idea for this podcast initially came up. Um, because you obviously you chronicled your entire Umrah journey on Facebook and social media kind of as it happened um, and your posts kind of they really struck me as very honest and you describe things that I know a lot of other women in particular have also experienced but they're not things that are often spoken about openly um, yeah. and I don't know I just thought it's a really important conversation to have um, but we'll talk more about that later before we get into that um, so I've been following you on Facebook for years now and you would always post about wanting to visit Medina, wanting to visit the Prophet Muhammad and so when I saw that you were finally going like I'm sure I'm not the only one um, I was genuinely pleased for you like I was so happy that you, you're finally going and I really enjoyed reading your posts as well you know it's interesting because like you said I think a lot of people have been part of that journey for me and even especially like my people on Facebook in, in in particular because I think the people that I have on that social media um, outlet have been like with me for a long time so I think they know they knew the yearning that I've had for so many years and that was also part of the reason why I chose to write a lot about my journey because mm. uh, like someone messaged me like oh you're in the holy land turn off your phone yeah. you don't need to share it but for me you know, I was like, for me personally, I didn't see it that way because so many people that I know have gone to Hajj, gone on Umrah, and I literally wake up in the morning just to read their posts. You know, like the fact that they would post videos, like it allowed me to experience it. And I wanted to do the same for other people because yeah. not only are there people on my network that have been to Medina or that come from maybe the Western world where they can afford to go, but I also have a lot of a lot of uh, friends on Facebook from like parts of Africa, and I know they don't have the means right. to go. You know. I'm saying it's not something that like maybe maybe they'll maybe Allah will give them the means to go but it's like yeah I don't know if they're going to be going anytime soon so for me it was also important that I share that experience for for others as well that was really a big big thing because people have done that for me you know yeah um, and I'm sure intentions play a huge part as well because it's not like yeah. you're sat there you're not sat there scrolling on Facebook you're yeah doing it for a a very specific reason absolutely and obviously as I'm sure you know like in between you have time in between like because all, all you're really doing obviously is like your five daily prayers your ibadah your extra worship and eating yeah. so there are moments like in the hotel where you're just like let me just after you've been in the masjid and done what you needed to do that you've got like half an hour just to write a post or whatever so for me 
it didn't take anything away. And I, what I realized actually was that in me sharing, it was helping me to process what I was going through. And it was also helping me to, um, like people would give me, uh, tell me experiences they had had. So some of the things that were interesting for me that we'll talk about a bit later that I was like overwhelmed by or didn't understand. Mm. People would inbox me like, Sakina, don't worry. It's fine. This has happened to us as well. And I think that really helped that I had my community yeah. with me, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, that completely makes sense. So, yeah, I think, subhanAllah, you know, it was like, it was like a dream almost. Like, you know, like when you've been waiting for something, you're, it felt like my whole life I've been waiting for the opportunity to get to Medina. And I was so nervous, actually. I don't know why I was nervous. I was just like, you know, will my hotel be correct or will everything be okay you know you hear so many negative stories about all these different things I was like really nervous will my visa be okay will my like I was just panicking but literally like when we were descending into Medina I had um a book of poetry by my sheikh um uh my grand sheikh someone called Sheikh Ibrahim Yas from some Senegal from the Tijaniya Tariqa and he has a book of poems called Sayr al-Qalb which obviously means like journey of the heart and it's all poems that he wrote yearning for Medina so poems that he wrote on his way to Medina or whilst he was in Medina or in Mecca or anywhere everywhere in the world where he was just yearning for Medina so I was reading that as I was descending into Medina and it really like I was just crying I was crying so much because his poems yeah it was oh and the the poems are like written like not too long before he passed away so he's very old at that point and he's really Mm. like the way he writes is like you know this old this old beggar is here like yearning is it a dream like am I really coming to Medina like the way he speaks is so subhanallah so that was kind of like my entrance and then everything was smooth you know we got through visa people spoke about like really long queues when you get in but with us it was just like and then suddenly we were like breathing in the air of Medina alhamdulillah so yeah Yeah. it was uh, beautiful and those first three days that we were there um was just subhanallah like so beautiful it was like also overwhelming because even though Medina's more relaxed than Mecca like it's still like the masjid still holds 600,000 people you know what I'm saying yeah there there are still a lot of people there yeah a lot and I think I don't know what I was expecting but I don't know if I was expecting that many people so you know and I remember when I first arrived I went into the mosque um, meet my husband because it was just me and my husband we didn't do a tour we just had like a tailor-made package just for us so it's just, oh, okay. yeah it's me and him and then uh, he was in the brother section and I was in the, the women's section but I couldn't see the green dome so I remember like speaking to this woman like hey no Muhammad you know like where is Muhammad so, like, I saw him, like where is he I just wanted to I just wanted to see the, see where he was you know and then um he took my husband met me and then he took me around the corner and there's a point where you're from where we were when you turn the corner and you see the green dome and you're just like home you know you your heart yeah. is just like now I'm in Medina you know yeah once it's, you've seen the dome yeah once you've seen the dome and even when you learn historically like what was Medina in the time of the prophet was smaller than the the kind of whole mosque itself you know the actual where they what was regarded as Medina at that time was so small so it's also like I think that was really powerful because you could feel the difference. Like when you're in that particular part, it just has a certain energy and, and the people yeah. there, the, the lovers are there, you know? So so that was beautiful, mashallah. Oh, that's amazing. I really like hearing you talk about it because I feel like you can put it into words that <laughs> I never could have. <laughs> but, so I've only been once. I went years ago, like in 2006 or something. 
and I just wish, like hearing you talk about it, I just wish I could have my first time again, just because I was so much younger and like I knew nothing. I'm not that I know a lot now, um, mm. but do you know what I mean? Like you had such a yearning yeah. for it, and you probably appreciated it a whole lot more. Mm. I hear you. I do hear you. But actually, to be honest, as the conversation continues, I think like. In a way, what I realize sometimes is that with the yearning comes expectations. And sometimes, oh, okay. you know what I mean? Like sometimes when your expectations are so specific that if if the, if they are not met, it can be kind of crushing for you. You know that I've been and I know what to expect, like the beauty, but also the hard the hardships. I know now, inshallah, that when I go, I'm not going to be having this golden idea that everyone's going to be lovely and what, like, I know that, okay, this is what to expect. And I think that like sometimes with expectations, we can, we don't leave space for Allah to just be Allah, if that makes sense. Like when we, when we have expectations and we want what we want, we don't want what Allah wants, if that makes sense. And yeah. I think that, you know, what this gave me was a chance to kind of be like, okay, have it, have good opinion of your Lord, obviously, and, and expect goodness. But at the same time, if things don't manifest how you want it, it doesn't mean that somehow your Umrah has failed or your ziyara isn't accepted. And I think we'll talk more about that, but I think that's kind of something that I went through. So I think the fact that you've gone and now you've, mashallah, set up this whole community around sacred journeying, around pilgrimages to different places, I think that when you go back, I think, inshallah, it will be very, very powerful for you. And I, I, yeah, I, think. I, I hope so. <laughs> inshallah. So let's talk about when you when you finally visited the role there. Like you've yeah. already mentioned, you had you had certain expectations, and mm. maybe talk to us a, a bit about that. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of funny because like um, I was so nervous about getting things wrong because you know when you read those Umrah guidebooks. Well, okay, I'll talk about <laughs> the Ziyada, but this, those guidebooks in general they make you feel like. You know, if you don't do this, like your whole umrah is like <laughs> not accepted. Not accepted. Yeah, and you're like, ah. <laughs> so I think in general, like I just, I think I spent like hundreds of pounds on books. Like I ordered. I feel like at that time I could have done a PhD in like umrah studies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I read like everything from the most like Sufi kind of inspired books and from Sufi kind of scholars right through to the most like you know I guess Salafi whatever like. Uh, people like yeah, speakers on, you read on YouTube as well. Basically. I read <laughs> everything, everything. And in a way, mashallah, it made me realize how in spaces like uh, Mecca and Medina, even though there might be slight differences of opinions, when it comes to things like our Umrah, like we're just, we are one in a way, you know yeah. what I mean? There's no, there's no differences. So I think I had read a lot and I was especially um, loving reading like old old like historical accounts of people coming mm. to Mecca and Medina yeah, like those definitely. kind of stories you know because I think you said you did your was it your master's or your bachelor's yeah, in it was uh, my undergraduate dissertation your undergraduate so okay. I like I became obsessed basically with Hajj literature Ooh. there's so many yeah. accounts they span like wow. um, at least a thousand years if not more but I just love how in each account you read even though like you can see all the historical differences obviously from um one age to the other mm-hmm. but there's so much unity as well because the actual rites that you perform haven't changed like they're exactly the same and the, the feelings people describe and kind of the emotions they have at that mm-hmm. time they're still the same yeah. thing and I think that's so powerful that um like you can span all these centuries but you're still there's like this thread of mm-hmm. unity between 
us and people who lived a thousand years ago. Absolutely. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And, and I think that's the thing. I think that again, when we talk about expectations, I think, you know, the modernity that you witness in Saudi in comparison to like maybe the romantic idea is quite harsh. Mm. Sometimes, yeah, definitely. especially I think for people who come from the West, because like for us, we're used to like high rise buildings and, you know, flashing lights and, and, you know, all these chains and stores and malls and stuff. So for us, I guess we don't really want that. Like we're looking for something a bit more yeah. authentic. So when you go Definitely. there, you know what I mean? And you're met with like capitalism, basically, you're just like, yeah. oh no, like I didn't want to see all of this stuff. Yeah. But you know, it's hard to take. It's hard. And I think when you read those like accounts and I just, it just feels so pure, you know? And I think yeah. I was, I read a lot of, you know, accounts of like, like also a lot of Sufi books where they talk about, you know, people that like when they arrived, there was one I was listening to a lecture and he was saying that there was a man whose Iman was so, mashallah, just so high that when he arrived just in the in the vicinity of Medina and he got the fragrance of Medina, like he fainted and his followers oh, wow. had to take him away from Medina. And then like when he, then he kind of got up, like woke up. And then as soon as they brought him near to Medina, just the, the light of the Prophet, the Noor, and just the kind of like atmosphere that people like normal people like me, like we would never feel it. But like these people that are so in tune and so in love with the Prophet, that like they would have these moments of just like literally fainting yeah, or pure ecstasy. Just ecstasy, exactly. Or like another one I read where this was really in, in, like not too long after the Prophet, died but when he went that this woman came there and she said to say the Aisha like and her like where is the Prophet Muhammad buried and when uh, Aisha, Aisha showed her she cried so much that she died like that kind of oh. level so you know when you're reading stuff like this you're like okay bare minimum I'm gonna faint you know? <laughs> <laughs> you're like if I don't faint like I have no iman you know what I'm saying so <laughs> I think that like that was also a little bit problematic for me like reading some of these accounts because it's just like you know subhanallah like you you read about people whose station is so high you assume that like okay this is maybe the norm a little bit you know so but but on on in contrast to the romantic kind of side of things I also did have friends who did tell me look Sakina when you I need to tell you when you go to the Ralda it's not going to be easy there's going to be um pushing and the women will scream and it's going to break your heart and like people told me but I think that like nothing can really even though you hear it you're like I guess in the back of my mind I'm thinking I hear you and I'm grateful but I think it's going to be different I'm not going to I don't think my experience is going to be like that that's kind of I think I wasn't trying to buy into that I was like mine's not going to be like that but um I think, yeah, it was it was really t- it was really difficult because first of all, yeah. um, I really waited for a long time before I went inside uh, the mosque, like inside to make ziyarah to the Prophet because I was nervous about anything affecting my heart. I I just I didn't want to like do anything that was gonna like affect me. If that makes sense. So I would spend most of my time in the courtyard, just facing the green dome. I'd do my dikha there. I'd do my ziyarah from there, and I was very c- comfortable in that space but I knew when you say affect you do you mean affect you negatively yeah something you wouldn't 
like to see yeah exactly I was afraid of it affecting me negatively I was like I just like I was feeling so sensitive I was like I don't want to go there someone screams at me or pulls me or you know what I mean I just didn't want to have any experience that would just not be good for my heart so I was like I'm gonna wait I'm gonna wait and then eventually you know one day I was like okay I'm gonna go so I went and I think the first thing that's quite tricky when you're going on Umrah and you're not in a group as a woman is that you're you know you're kind of on your own like a lot of people are in big groups or with their families and so people will very easily push you out of the way to make sure that their cousin or their sister or their mum can be with them so you're kind of like a little bit in you know on your own and then they they, I was put in the group with uh the Pakistani women so they were just in massive groups I was just like literally like a like a little fish in a massive ocean like being like pushed and pulled and I didn't really know what was going on and I didn't understand when when we got into the room I didn't understand what was what or where where the Prophet was so I started making ziyara in a particular direction like salamu alaykum ya rasulullah you know like really giving it then I realized that he wasn't in the direction that I was going <laughs> oh no <laughs> and I was just like Whoops. and you know and like the women the guys the female guys they're not particularly you know their job is hard I don't want to speak ill of them but they're not necessarily friendly you know to you yeah. so you don't know like what's going on there's not really anyone who can advise you or say look this is where the prophet is this is where like you don't know I didn't know anything I didn't know where was exactly the the bit of the green carpet so I did my ziyara I did as best as I could and um but I wasn't present in my in my moment with him some women like pushed me and they were like I just couldn't get out of the kind of massive uh what's it called it was just like a massive crowds I couldn't get out and I was trying to move and they wouldn't let let me and then they kind of pushed me and I was like don't push me you know what I'm saying so it was just really uh yeah it wasn't nice it's quite overwhelming yeah I had a I had a very similar experience Mm, yeah how was it for you what what happened with you (laughs) well so I think because I was younger at the time um I feel like I was a different person back then anyway but um so yeah, I didn't I didn't know to expect that. <laughs> I have to say, because yeah. again, I'd read all the guidebooks, but um, they don't really tell you that. And um, I just I was shocked to see people. I mean, I don't want to again. You don't want to speak ill of people because I feel like people are just so overcome with emotion. Um, yeah. And I tried to see that in a good way, like it's it's love of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Yeah. But I feel like. I didn't expect people to behave that way there. Yeah, definitely. And also you have to remember, I suppose, that um, the amount of time women are given is yeah. so limited Absolutely. that people feel like I need to get there or, or I won't Absolutely. get there. Absolutely. Um, no, 100%, 100%. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It's funny because I was talking to my husband and he was saying that when the men are doing their ziyara, they can hear the women screaming from that from their side. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and it was just like, maybe that's, and he was like, maybe that's why women have less time. And I said, I'm not being funny, but if men had the amount of time that we had, you wouldn't hear screaming, you would hear fighting. Yes. You get what I'm saying? You would, I'm yes. not being funny. The, the amount of men I see come from the black stone with like black eyes, like literally, yeah. if men only had a few hours to ziyara the prophet, they would, people would literally be fighting in, yeah. in, inside the I feel so, the same. Yeah, so I think, you know, I think it's I think it's that, but I think it's another thing I think as well about is like 
setting the tone. Like, I feel like a lot of the guards in that space, and again, I know their job is not easy. It's like all these lovers coming from around the world. But because of the harshness, I think they present to us mm. as visitors, as pilgrims, I think it filters through. So I feel like if you were arrive in the message, someone's like, Salam alaykum, sister, welcome. This is the way to the Prophet Muhammad, alayhi salatu wa may your be accepted. Something just gentle, you know. I feel like that yeah. love would transfer, and I feel like maybe we would be warmer to people. But it's just like, harsh, da-da-da, go, yeah. you're allowed to go. Okay, sisters, leave now, boo. And it's just like so, it's like if, if I come into a house and I'm like, Zara, get up now, you need to go, you know, and then you're going to be panicking and you're going to pass yeah. that stressy energy to someone else. And I think that also doesn't help because it makes it like, I felt it was very much like every man for himself. I didn't really get yeah, this energy. Yeah, it does feel of, that way. Yeah, it was just like, you know, and um, so I think after I just, and then people were praying in all different places and I was like why are they praying what does it mean I didn't know what was going on and so then I just um kind of when you go through there's like a little area where you can sit and you can see the green dome from from inside um so I kind of just sat there and I just I just yeah I just sat there for a while and I just literally cried I was like yeah. I was just crying so I was just I was just really overcome with emotion and I think maybe I had this expectation of what my ziara would look like and what it would feel like and I just didn't feel I didn't feel I didn't feel it you know and I think that's another thing that like when you go on these kind of journeys there's an expectation of how you should feel you know like you should feel yeah. a certain way and then when you maybe don't feel it you're like okay then there's something wrong with me like there's I'm I must be in an in, inadequate space to not be able to feel you know what I'm saying like to feel yeah. this particular um thing and I think another issue for me as well is like I didn't realize that our ziara would be from the back like this back room kind of ziara I thought that what you see in all the pictures where the men are walking down this kind of like uh alley, like pathway or this this walkway mm. and are able to ziara in you know everyone in order I thought that I actually thought that when women had uh, this limited time is because they shut that section for the men oh, and they I allow see. us to walk through that was what yeah. I thought so then I was so I kept so that's why I was like when, when are we going to get to that bit like I kept yeah, thinking how, when are we going to get and it never comes I was like oh this is it okay so what do I do so I was very confused um actually talking about that I have a couple of friends who they were able to do that so yeah. they because they went a few years ago they went with um they went with a certain group and luckily for them fortunately for them they were allowed that access um, so I don't know how often that happens or yeah. And actually, I don't even know, going back in history, I don't know what the norm was, yeah. whether this was a norm. I know there's two There's two women I've read of. Um, mm. One was Nawab, no, Sultan Jahan, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Jahan Begum. She was mm. one of the rulers of Bhopal in India. Um, okay. it, so she visited in 1903, and because of her, like, her royal status, she mm. was actually given full access. So right. the, they cleared all the men out, um, and so she was able to go in. She had like a niqab on, she said, and she was able to go in and do all of her rights, everything, um, wow. and then come out. And then there was also Winifred Steger, who was she was a, an Australian convert who visited in 1927. Yeah, um, and I don't know how. I don't know why she was given all this access, but she was she was given the same access. She was able to go in. And I just actually wanted to read to you her quote because she yeah, wrote about please. her journey as an old lady like looking back on her life um but she said um the place was to be approached with reverence looking through the nearest wall i saw a room of no more 
than 12 square feet. The floor was of black and white squares. In the centre was a tomb covered in black velvet, the tomb of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Um, the inner walls were also made of iron, of wrought iron, heavily gilded. Black velvet drapes were looped here and there against the inner wall. But I just love that line because I feel like there's yeah. so few women that must have I seen bet. that and had that experience. Yeah. Because that's that's not even just what the men see. That that's I think yeah. that's maybe further. Was she up. inside the sure. chamber? Like it well, sounds like she was in the chamber. No, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure if she's looking through a window mm. in the wall or if she's actually inside. It's not that clear. Um, oh. But yeah, either way, I just think how incredibly lucky was she. <laughs> No, absolutely. That and that, yeah. Subhanallah, Subhanallah. I, it would be interesting to know historically um, what what the procedure was, and because yeah, even so, I'd be you know, interested to know. It'd be interesting because even the masjid as it is now, like it's been expanded. So even the, the room that we're in, obviously, wouldn't have maybe been there like a hundred years ago, maybe or two hundred years ago. So there must have been a different a different means of ziyara. So it would be it would be. Um, interesting because I think for myself I think after that ziada I was just really upset like I was just so angry I was angry with everyone I don't know. I was just like... <laughs> but how did you how did you deal with those emotions well I think I just cried a lot like I cried so much so so much like I think I just even when even when I left the Medina I was still crying a lot and I and I realized that like I had to I had to kind of allow that emotion to exist inside myself and not try and force it, you know. Mm. So I know, when I came back from Medina, people were like, oh, my God, I want to know. Like you said, people were kind of invested in my journey. They, they always read about me talking about it, so they wanted to know. And when people would ask me personally, I was like, I'm still processing it. That was my only answer. I was like, I'm yeah. still processing it because I don't know. I didn't really know how to articulate how I felt, but I think that I definitely, and this is just me, this is, this is how, this is, uh, I guess, a lesson that I'm learning within myself is that sometimes I take things as rejection. So if maybe I have an experience like that and I don't get this closeness or I don't feel connected, I feel like I'm not good enough. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I wasn't given this moment because I don't deserve it. So I must be sinful. You know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. I kind of do that and it's very unhealthy, but I, I, I witnessed it in myself a few times and I was like, okay, we've got a little issue here that we need to kind of go to the root of like why is it that you take these experiences as rejection but that was just how I was dealing with it and I think that was part of that was just yeah that was kind of how I was interpreting it and I had to really get over it and speaking to my friends and they were like Sakina no like it's not like like no one go leaves the prophet empty-handed you know what I'm saying this yeah. isn't this way like you came like you, you gave you sacrificed your money you sacrificed your time like you came to ziyara him and and don't feel that you didn't get this experience like there's a lesson in it you know like every every journey that I I know for myself every journey that I make for the intention of nearness to Allah is always comes with, with challenges you know what I'm saying so I think that yeah, definitely yeah it took me a while definitely it wasn't like I came back and I was like oh I feel great like it wasn't it really wasn't even like listening to like a lot of like Hasidas and poetry about the about Medina you realize how much like people like in our Islamic history have spoken yearn for Medina then I'm like mm. I've just come back or I'm still here and I'm like not having this experience and I you just you just panic a little bit on the inside you're just like oh my god I'm not having this moment like I don't people are, would die to be here and here I am and I'm just not having this experience you know and then so I think did you did you go back in actually or did you 
did you just go that one time? So I made an attempt to go back on my last day, but like, let's say, for example, the women's time finishes at like, say, three, for example. Mm. I got there at 2.30 and they said, you can't enter. And I'm like, yeah, but it says it finishes at three. They're like, no, it's too late. And that was my last day. So I didn't go back in. But I think that like, for me, like just being in the courtyard of the Prophet and just spending time outside by the Green Dome, like that actually was enough for me. Like, in fact, that was like sufficient. I felt much more suffice, much more at ease, much more at peace and much yeah. more connected to the Prophet from outside, you know. And it's, I remember... It's funny you said that. Sorry to interrupt. It's right? just because right. a friend said that to me very recently, the exact same thing, because mm-hmm. she's been several times and she just she says that from now on, her plan is just to sit outside, mm. look at the dome, because she feels more of a connection that way. Yeah, definitely. I was speaking to this Ustada from, um, she's from the Ba'alawi Tariqa. She was telling me that one of her shayukh actually recommended that his daughters do not go inside and said, oh, okay. don't go inside because it will break your heart. Wow. So he said, make your ziyara from outside. So this, this, So it's not a unique thing, you know, like I think it's very, very common that a lot of women feel this way. But I think... The second thing that I guess was also somewhat problematic is that some of the guards don't really like too many people to congregate around the green dome. (laughs) So after every salah, like a group of them come and they try and usher people away, you know. So if people that are facing the green dome or making dhikr or reciting pasidas or whatever, they tell you to turn around. So this is also like, double I guess, challenge. it's a double <laughs> challenge because you're like, Allah, like I can't. And this is, this is I, my issue. I was like, I can't connect with the prophet inside. Then when I'm outside, people are trying to push me away, you know. And so there was just this sort of, I don't know, like inside my heart. I was just like, I just felt so, uh, I felt torn, you know. I was really, I really struggled with that because the, it's also the harshness, you know, like, you know, one day someone was like, turn around, you know, do your, I was doing my dhikr and he said, turn around, uh, the qibla is that way. And I was making salawat. So I said, the person that I'm making salawat to is in front of me. I'm not going to turn my back to him. And wow. he was like, well, no, 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 qibla is that way. And I said, I said, do you love the prophet? So I said, I was like, do you love him? And he was like, yes, I love him, but blah, blah, blah. <laughs> turn around. I was like, no, like I said, this is called love. This is love. Like, don't tell me to go. I'll go when I finish, you know, and I'm not going to go. So it was like there were these encounters where you're all, almost like having to be defensive all the time, yeah. you know. But, um, you know, Which is kind of like, crazy, isn't it? It's yeah, just it really like, is. it's kind of beyond belief. Exactly, exactly. You know, but, you know, subhanAllah, like it's been like over six months since I've been back now. And I think that when I when I cast my mind, it's like it's interesting when you leave somewhere like some of my friends were saying as well, be very careful because when you leave Medina, the shaitan will really try and mess with you and mess with your memories as well. So the things that you remember are like really the negative things. So they were like, really be mindful, like don't allow yourself to kind of fall into like a negative trap when you talk about your experiences, because mm. it's hard not to because it's just there were so many things. But now that like six, seven months later, now that the kind of dust has settled a little bit and all that you're left with is the feelings you know you remember like I remember when I think back to Medina all I remember is just the love you know all I remember is just those moments of like first seeing the the green dome I, all I remember is like my last my last time just saying goodbye to the prophet and that that yeah. feeling that that love like it's like you just don't want to leave you keep turning back like you're turning back to look at your lover you know like you just don't want to you don't want to you don't want to leave that that feeling I think yeah. um 
those are the things I remember now and like now I yearn to go back now I'm like okay I want to go back to Medina I'm ready you know to go back so I think it's just part of the process and I think that you know as women it is difficult and I think it is important that we share stories I think it's not in a way to put people off but we need to know um so that we're not like there's like a fine balance isn't there like you don't want to put people off either exactly you don't want to because everyone's experience is different but that when you notice there are certain common like threads that all women have experienced I think it's important that we are able to kind of like encourage encourage that people are prepared for that you know because there's other things as well as a woman that is difficult for example you can't go to genital baqi for example so you can't go and so you know mashallah my husband one day he was like okay I want to go to the the genital baqi so he's able to go and see where you know the prophet's son is buried where the sahabas are buried where even like um the wives of the prophet are and for me I feel like that hurt because I was thinking these are also women that are our like heroes or sheroes you know what I mean these are our yeah. like female role models and we can't even go to make ziyara to where they are you know even like someone someone was telling me a brother was telling me oh when you get to Mecca you need to go and see where Sayyid Khadija anha, is buried so I was like oh my god top of my list and then someone was like it's and someone was like I'm really sorry sis it's a it's a really like massive contradiction but women can't go to where Khadija's buried and you're just like wait what yeah like that really like it hurt me so much you know and then like there was like a little um around the the masjid masjid al-nabawi they have like little kind of conference exhibition type spaces which are really really good and there was one about like medina and history so you see like this kind of mashallah this beautiful little i guess what's it called like a like a recreation of what it would have looked like in the time of the prophets like salam and then you realize where the women's rooms were like you know the wives where they lived that part of the masjid is now part of the men's section. And so, so like, we can't even go there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it just yeah. troubles me. It's like, but this is, like, women should be allowed to go see. This is where, like, Fatima Radilaha and her live. This is where Aisha slept. This is where, and, like, we can't, we don't, we can't have any access to those spaces. And I, and I, it just. Yeah, that does hurt. Yeah, it hurts. That really does hurt. It definitely hurts. It definitely, I can't even front and be like, no, no, it doesn't hurt, you know. But I think, like, alhamdulillah, I have, um, I have a spiritual teacher, I have a sheikh. And whilst I was there, I, I messaged him, I was like, this is what I'm going through. And he's really like, access the prophet through your heart, you know, like, put him in your heart. It's something to work on. Like, I'm definitely not there yet. Like, even though my sheikh was like, connect with him in your heart. And I couldn't. I was just like, too devastated. <laughs> I was yeah. too like... But it's only now after like coming back and just contemplating. And I think um, another thing for me is like as a poet, as you mentioned, obviously I'm a poet. And I think that like I look for poetry in situations like poetry helps me to con- to, to consider what I've experienced. So if I've experienced something difficult, the process of writing poetry or writing a piece of prose, it helps me. And I couldn't I couldn't write. I couldn't write anything like I had no I had no words, you know. And then maybe about three or four months after my Umrah, um, I was just, I had this thought and I was thinking that like, if I um, make it to paradise, inshallah, I was thinking, I don't want a big house. I don't want a big mansion or anything. I just want to like, I just want to live on the Prophet Muhammad's doorstep. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. I was like this is where I want to live. I want to have like a little tent on his doorstep. And so I wrote this poem and when I wrote the poem, I felt like, 
the what was what I I don't know the pain that I was going through and the kind of distance I was feeling was healed after I wrote that poem like I definitely felt a shift in even my iman my iman was getting really low and I think after that I was like after I'd written the poem I realized that I was sad because I didn't get to be near the prophet's doorstep in this dunya you know but actually my higher aspiration is to be on the prophet's doorstep in jannah you know like it's like it, yeah it, that's amazing it was, yeah that was sort of how I and then and then when I did it and even whilst I was writing it, I was also crying like all of my emotion was in that poem and um Funnily enough, yesterday I was in the studio and I recorded it uh, with, it's, mashallah, sounds very beautiful. And um, like when I listened back to it, I was also just like crying in the studio because I remembered <laughs> exactly how I felt. Like I remember like what what made me write that poem in the first place. So I think all of these things like really helped me to kind of deal with it. But the, the biggest thing was just being patient with myself and not judging myself. So after you left Medina, you went to Cairo straight away. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That was beautiful. It was surprising. I think one of the things that was beautiful as well is like in Medina and in Saudi in general, a lot of the people that we were interacting with, like a lot of the people that I guess were workers in the hotel were Egyptians. Um, and they, I guess the personality of the Egyptians were like really, they were just, I don't know, they were just had a happier energy than some of the other Arab, Arabic people that we were encountering. They were just really warm. So I think going to Egypt after Saudi was just like really a relief. I think also because when you go for Umrah, it's just and Hajj, like we always have to remember that even though we're going to holy sites, we're still going to Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia has its own political regime and systems that are not necessarily yeah. compatible with, with what we, what, not compatible with us. So I think leaving Saudi, Saudi itself was a bit of a breath of fresh air for me and coming to like Cairo, I was like, I felt like I felt like I could relax. For some reason, I was feeling quite tense in Saudi. So I think coming to Cairo was just really, really nice. And then Alhamdulillah, we have a lot of friends who study in Al-Azhar. So um, we were received by um, some of like lots of our friends who live in Egypt. So that was really, really nice. And like the first night, you know, one of our friends pre- prepared like a beautiful meal for us. And there was a brother <coughs> um, singing like loads of qasidas all night. And it was just like, we're really with the lovers of the Prophet, you know, yeah. so that was really, it was like a real celebration. And I think that... Um, it was beautiful because again like when you're in Saudi and people see you showing too much love for the prophet or like if they see your dhikr bees are really big or whatever there's a kind of like this kind of I don't know it's not necessarily a well you're not necessarily welcomed if you show too much love but coming to Cairo and being with the lovers was just like oh I can breathe I'm with my people you know like that was really really nice and then um a brother um, who's a Nasheed artist, actually, his name's Mikhail Mala. He um, he was living in Cairo at the time. So he took us uh, the following day to go to make ziyara to all of the places where the Prophet Muhammad Alaihi family are buried. So, um, you know, like many of his, uh, like, great-grandchildren and great-grandchildren are buried in Cairo. Um, so we went to see Sayyidah Nafisa. Obviously, Imam Hussein, we went to see Sayyidah Nafisa, we went to see Sayyidah uh, Sukaina and... Um, one of the prophet's aunts are buried there um and another great granddaughter so i think in a way that was beautiful because we were going to the places where a lot of women were buried and the female you know female mm. ahl, ahl bayt and i think that that was strong that was strong because the spaces were feminine and as women like we weren't i wasn't as a female like ushered away or shunned or not allowed to have a moment 
you yeah. know, to make Ziara. And I think that was really powerful for me. And I think it's interesting because we had planned to go and see so many different maqams that day. So the plan like, was like, okay, go in five minutes, say what you need to say, then come out, then we go to the next one. But every maqam we were going to, I was spending a bit more time and like the brothers were like, because I said we're all brothers, and they were like, well, like, what's going on? Like, why are you taking so long? And I said to my husband, look, like, this is the closest I've been to like this is I I can be close to the to the maqams here. You know what I'm saying? Like in Medina, I didn't have that luxury of just going to see the Prophet at least here yeah, I it's, your it's turn, my turn, basically. Exactly. <laughs> and so then he, he got it. He's like, No, I completely understand. So then like they gave me more time and um it was just really powerful because, again, it was just more like, you know, this this is a place where the Prophet's daughter, you know, family are buried, first of all, which is very powerful. But also that, like, women just dominated those spaces. You know, they were feminine yeah. spaces. And I think that was powerful. Um, and then I went... I think you're really lucky to have had that after yeah. the way you had been feeling. Yeah. That's such a good you know what I mean like that's such an amazing place to yeah visit. absolutely and you know and I, I didn't even know at the time but I knew you know when I was going to Cairo I was like I'm not really interested in the pyramids I'm interested in like going to make Ziada but I didn't realize at the time how much of a healing that would be for me you know what I'm saying I didn't realize until I was, I was like this is why Allah orchestrated it in this way you know because I really did it wow. um and then there was like the best one for me was like going to the maqam of Sayyidah Sakina obviously she's like I'm named she's my namesake so it was like it was just so powerful because it was like this woman came in and she was giving bread to everybody and she was kind of just singing like a qasida out loud she was just like saying all the names of the ahlil bayt and giving out bread to everyone and I was just like she just she just dominated the space she wasn't like I'm a woman I need to be quiet she was like no this is a female I'm a woman and like this is where I gave my strength. That's so powerful. It was so powerful, so powerful. And then she said to me, like, what well, you know, what's your name? I was like, Sakina. She was like, oh, mashallah, you know, and I was just I was so happy. And then the I think the the ziyara that was the most powerful for me was um they on on you know, they say this is the place where the prophet's um auntie was buried. I say the Attica. Some people say she wasn't there, I don't know. There's always, you know, contention with maqams, but that's what mm. they said. And so I went into the maqam and the keeper of the maqam came and he opened, you know, that they're in a kind of, I guess, like a glass kind of protective case. And he opened the, 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 the case for me, like just for me. And was like, you can kind of touch it and put your hand on it. Oh, wow. And I was just like, so like overwhelmed because many years before I'd gone to Medina, I had a dream that I was um, in Medina and I'd making ziyarah to the Prophet, and I was behind the like I wasn't I was behind the gates like I was right actually at the 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 maqam itself like I was touching it and I was like really wow. crying and so then when I had this moment with it wasn't it wasn't obviously his maqam but it was someone from his family it was exactly the same thing that I saw in my dream like years ago and I was like that's incredible. Yeah, it just made me. And then I was speaking to a teacher, and she said, like, we can access the prophet through his family. So the fact that you had that moment there as a indication of, like, you know, you were. It's, yeah, she was saying it connects to your dream. So you know, so alhamdulillah, like, Allah, like, Allah gave. You know, Allah was merciful and very generous. Even though my experience in Medina was difficult, it was like I, you know, I didn't like like uh, my friend said, I did not leave empty-handed at all. I was really fortunate. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm gonna tell all the women yeah. I know go to Egypt after you've been Literally, on Umrah. <laughs> because we just flew Air Egypt. That was it. So we booked our flights, and our Umrah, uh, you know, provider was like, "Which airline do you want to fly with?" And we were like, 
well, we might as well fly Air Cairo because we've got friends there and we can stay a few days. And then it just ended up being a perfect seal, you know. To, yeah. yeah, a really nice way to end yeah, it. Yeah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Oh, that's amazing, <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you so much yeah, for talking you're to welcome, us about You're this. welcome, thank you for for having me, you know. And I think one, one more thing I think before we end is I just really want to say to other people that like my, my advice is just try not to have any expectations of what your of what your what your umrah is gonna be like and also how you're gonna feel because I think that's something that is really um emphasized like you're gonna feel like this or when you see the prophet's mosque you're gonna feel like this or when you see the Kaaba you're gonna feel like this and and sometimes you just won't feel like that you know what I mean sometimes it yeah. won't be like that but that doesn't mean that there's something wrong you know it, it just means that every human being is different and we have different ways of experiencing things yeah, definitely I think you could probably write a whole book on this well one thing I do want to do is I'd love to kind of um put together like an anthology of women's um experiences like like I was thinking calling it like women of Medina or women in Medina and just I'd love women from around the world just writing their memoirs you know about their experiences in Medina and I think that would just be a lovely amazing yeah that's um, that's kind of something that I'm that I'm thinking about because so many women have incredible stories and you know even stories like mine but stories of triumph you know like one sister was telling me that she also had quite a very hard ziara and the next day she didn't want to go but her daughter had a dream that she was with the prophet so her daughter woke up and said mom let's go back you know mashallah like you're the, the child that you give birth to is is yani like guiding you back to the prophet you know so there are so many beautiful narratives i i think it would be lovely to collect yeah, so you don't hear about them often either so it would be it'd be amazing to hear that but talking about um what you've got coming up because i know you're traveling a lot over the summer yeah yeah i've got quite a few um things coming up so next week I'm traveling to Bosnia to lead a creative writing workshop which I'm so excited about really so excited there's a um a new and young fresh organization called Lazuli Ventures which is led by a sister called uh Shireen and last she just... we've, we've actually featured them before on um, Instagram as well so yeah yeah we'll, yeah, yeah, we yeah can link them in the show notes too yeah yeah definitely it would be really good because I think she just loves the country and wanted to share it and found for, for what better way to connect people to the experience and also by writing so I'll be I'm kind of I've been given free reign to lead um the writing exercises so a lot of what we'll be looking at is us in relation to the land and us in relationship to the places that we visit because I don't want people to go there and almost like observe like Sarajevo or Mostar from an outsider's perspective or from a tourist perspective but actually like what can we learn about the siege in Sarajevo as as a reflection about ourselves so I have that coming up and then in uh, October I'll be going to um, to Fez uh, um, the the founder of my tariqa Sheikh Ahmed Tijani may Allah be pleased with him and ennoble his grave his he's buried there so I'll be going there with, with my community then in November inshallah I'll be going to Senegal to Medina Bay where my sheikhs live um, for Rabi al Awal and then after that I'll be going to Mauritania for the first time inshallah, wow, inshallah, inshallah. <laughs> yeah inshallah so very excited and um, hoping to write about it as well for Sacred Footsteps inshallah yes, which so, we can't wait for 
world. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. But thank you so much for just um, giving, creating this platform, first of all. I think it's so important that people like, I just love, I love, I love as soon as I saw the name, I was like, I just love this. Like, I just love it. And I love all the different stories and the different memoirs. It's so powerful. So I'm oh, really honoured. Thank you honored. so much. I could probably talk to you for hours. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry I talk so much. But thank you so no, much. No, no, it's good. Well, I think we can have you back at some point as well. It'd be really nice to hear from you again. Inshallah. Maybe once you're back from all your travels and everything, yeah, you can like have a give us up. an update. Yeah, <laughs> we'll definitely do that. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next time where we'll be talking to Mustafa Briggs about his experiences of Islam in West Africa. You'll find us on all the usual social media channels that's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at sfootsteps. Why not drop us a line about the show? We'd love to hear your feedback. You can email us on info at sacredfootsteps.org. All articles and links mentioned in the podcast will be in the show notes. Until the next episode, safe and blessed travels.